This morning's reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. Generosity encouraged. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to testify that I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Karen. If you have your Bibles, uh, keep it open to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, and once again, thank you very much for uh, to Mike and Peter. Uh, Mike is heading up the fundraising committee, uh, and Peter is helping, and Cora as well, as well as a few other people. Carmen Lee, is that it? And Irene Chu, sorry. Um, if you have any questions about it, uh, do uh, let them know. Um, but I, I do want to, once again, reiterate the vision of why we're doing this. Obviously, church building is not church, and the church is not um, made up of buildings, and that's not what we're about. But buildings actually do enable ministry, doesn't it? Because buildings allow people to come and meet together. And if you have come to uh, the church center for prayer meetings or for these small groups, you know actually how this space enables people 
people to come together and build community. And that's what we want to do as a church. We want to build community through having that space. And not only that, uh, this is the money that goes uh, each month uh, towards uh, rent. It's about 30, I think it's about $35,000 um, right now. And we want to reallocate that resource to something better. Um, it's, it's something that we can use, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, right now we're in the final stage of uh, hiring an assistant minister. And we want to, in the future, I'd love to have somebody like women's worker come in and help us um, to minister amongst women. And there are other things that we could allocate at that resource towards. And so this is why we're doing this. And I'm so thankful that 91% of our church members voted for this. And um, I pray that as we come to this text, that God will give us a generous heart so that we can make this uh, reality. But just so you know, I have uh, really no qualms about preaching uh, about money uh, and giving, partly because I think money is such an idol. It has always been in this world. In, in a place like Hong Kong, in a city like Hong Kong, that is, it's really built um, as a trade center to make money, to make people rich. Um, I think this is, uh, uh, money has this tight grip on us. And if um, we realize that money is not this God um, that promises, uh, that makes these false promises. But if we can actually see that Christ is our God, Christ is the one who provides for us. And I, I'm sure that uh, that generosity will flow out of that. And I love preaching on this because it's, it's an idol that uh, grips so many of us. And the text that we have chosen for this, First Corinthians chapter, um, Second Corinthians chapter 8, is in a way appropriate for us because, in a way, Second Corinthians is a fundraising letter. <laughs> he, um, Paul partly wrote this letter to raise funds not for himself but for the Jerusalem church, um, which was considerably poorer um, in comparison to the Corinthian church. And although the aim is different, the aim of why Paul is raising this letter, I think the principles laid out in this applies just as well to us. So let's pray that God will speak to us through this text. Lord, we thank you so much that even as we come to the, the subject of money or fundraising, all these things, Lord, it's not we don't speak out of our own wisdom, but you have given us uh, your word. You have already revealed to us your word. And we pray that as we come to this text, that your word will be what transforms our lives, what transforms our, our, our minds and our hearts. And we pray that as we, um, that as we come to this, uh, this text, that you will speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I read an article recently um, on Esquire magazine, um, who, which interviewed four people of very different levels of income. It began with an interview with a man who earned U.S. Um, $1 million a year. And to the question, do you keep a budget, he answered. We track every single penny that comes in and out of our bank account, and we give 6% of our money away to charity. We have a big heart for animals and children, elderly, and the underprivileged. Now, I don't mean to minimize that giving. Um, after all, 6% of a million dollars is $60,000, and that's about... Um, 450 Hong Kong, uh, 450,000 Hong Kong dollars in a year. But I was surprised, uh, to be honest, at the tone of um, his, uh, his, um, what he was saying, since I don't think 6% giving in, would be considered in Christian circles a generous heart. Something that one would say, actually, this is a big giving, big heart. It seems to me that there is a different mindset amongst Christians. 
when it comes to money in comparison to non-Christians. Isn't there? The way that Christians relate to money is different from the way that non-Christians relate to money. And as we come to our text, you see the difference right away in the Macedonian church. Take a look. Look how these churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea reacted to, the, uh, to this call. They gave, take a look, verse 2, in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and, and in their extreme poverty, they gave generously. They gave under uncircumstance of, uh, un, uncirc- uncertain circumstances, circumstances of persecution. They didn't know um, if they would have enough for the next day because of the persecution that was happening in the church. And they gave generously in that circumstance. They gave out of their poverty. Uh, the uh, churches in Macedonia, Macedonia was a bit like... Um, like Chamshipo uh, or Sengsui of Greece rather than the peak or even Kowloon uh, of Greece. This is, these were poor areas, um, but they gave joyfully and generously. In fact, verse 3, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They pleaded, urgently pleaded with us, uh, Paul, uh, for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectation. Giving was a privilege to them. It's something that they asked Paul and pleaded with Paul to make happen. And when they gave, they gave out of generously, even beyond their ability. This isn't 6% giving. This isn't counting every penny and go, what's the minimum that I could give so that I could be considered generous? This is self-sacrificial giving. And if you ask, how were they able to give so joyfully and generously? The key is at the end of verse 5. Take a look there. They first gave themselves over to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to this work. And so there is, in a sense, if you're not a Christian today and you have joined us, this message really isn't for you, because Christian giving only makes sense if you have first given yourself over to the Lord. If you have um, been moved by the cross and what God has done for you and then give, given your lives, all that you have over to the Lord, this will not make sense. So if the, you are not a Christian, please do join us uh, in Christianity Explored and, and, and explore why Christians are so happy to give all of their lives, all of their time and energy, all that they have, all of their money even to Christ. Come and find out why this is such good news for people. But for the Christians, that is the main difference, that we have given our lives over to God first. And that has to be the beginning principle. We have to, be, we have to give our lives over to Christ. And when we do that, this is the difference, that the non-Christians give out, their, out of their own pocket, but Christians give out of God's pocket let me be clear. I'm not saying that Christians have some extra pocket that God fills that non-Christians don't know about. But when Christians give their lives first over to God, what it means is they include their money as well. They say, actually, my money that I have is not my own. It's something that God has given to me. It's something that God has entrusted to me. All that I own is actually, first of all, God's. That's what it means to have given our lives over to God. And this is why even giving is a privilege given to the Christian. Just take a look at how Paul introduced this whole letter. He says in verse 1, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. 
Now, he is writing about how the Macedonian churches gave generously. But actually, the way that he introduces that is to say, actually, I'm going to write to you about what God has done, what God's grace towards the Macedonian churches. This is God's grace given to individual members and the churches in Macedonia. They considered it God's grace to be able to give. And it's not just Paul saying this. Macedonian, uh, the churches themselves, have understood giving in this way. That's why they urgently pleaded for the privilege of giving. Privilege of sharing, in verse 4. And that word translated as privilege, in verse 4, is really the same word as grace. It's for the grace of giving. They asked for the grace of giving. And usually when we talk about grace, we talk about things that we've received, not, not what we give. But here, they are talking about the grace of giving, the things that they have given. But the, even the ability to give, even that privilege of giving, they recognize is grace that has been given to each one of them. This is because they understood um, what they uh, that that what they had was God's. If you think um, you've earned it, if you if you think that you've earned your money, uh, let me tell you, isn't it God who has determined which era where you lived? You know, I often think about how useless I would I would have been about you know three thousand years ago with my bad eyesight and fairly scrawny um, uh, build. Um, but God has made us to live in this time with our gifts and talents, with the opportunities we have and the, to our parents, uh, to this country, and the, to have received the education that we received. All comes from God. And as we have come to know God as our Savior, not, as, not just as a Savior, as our God, we realize that all that we have is God's. And not only that, when we become Christians, we actually hand over everything. We give ourselves over to God. And some of you know, I worked um, in a, a fairly large church in London for a while. And for the first couple of years, I uh, sat in their mission committee and was, uh, 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 that was responsible for giving away about 4 million Hong Kong dollars um, each year towards mission. Annually, the church family had given generously, and our job was to be generous with that money, but to have kept that money for ourselves. Not to have given away that money actually would have been robbing the church. When we give, when we give, when we are generous, we are giving back God's money. We are generous with God's money. And we try to capture that each week, don't we? As we say, all things come from you, and have we, um, and you're of your own, have we given you? That God is somehow pleased as we give back to God what is rightly his is grace. That God is pleased with your giving is grace. That God has blessed you so much that you can give to others is grace. All of that is grace. So I want to ask, what is your relationship with money? More importantly, first of all, what is your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ? Have you given yourself over to Christ? Is giving then an obligation or is it a privilege that you count it a privilege? And once again, how much of God's money do you keep for yourself? How much of it do you keep to indulge yourself? Now, I do want to make it very clear. It's possible that you have given over yourself to God already, but you just don't believe that this is um, raising money for the church center in this way is God's will. 
And that's okay. That's completely okay. If you really don't believe that this is something that God has called the church to do, please don't feel obliged to give. This is not, it's between you and God. But if you believe that it is God's will, I hope that you will think of giving as a privilege, not an obligation. But after talking about that Macedonian church and how they gave so generously and self-sacrificially, Paul asked the Corinthians to complete this act of grace. You see, Paul had asked them already to give money. In fact, if you look back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, there Paul says, each week set aside some money, plan to give, set aside some money each week so that when Titus comes, you can give money uh, to Titus. And he rejoiced that they responded so with glad and willing hearts. And he's saying, now, now make that willing heart complete by actually giving the money as the time has come. And as he urges this church to give in verse 7, he says, excel in doing this as well. Churches get to be known for different things. Um, some churches are known uh, for their teaching of the Bible. Some, ch- some churches are known for their music. Uh, some churches are known for their charismatic gifts. Um, the Corinthian church was known for pretty much everything. They excelled in pretty much everything. Um, if you look back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, once again, that there you'll see actually um, that all the charismatic gifts that they have, they had gift of tongue, wisdom, words of knowledge, faith and healing, uh, miracles, prophecy, discernment, they had all of that. Not only that, he says here in verse 7, they excelled in faith, speech and love. They excelled in so many things. And now he says, add to this, excel in the grace of giving as well. What a great thing to be, to excel in. What a great thing to actually focus in. There is something incomplete about a disciple who is not generous, isn't there? Someone who excels in speech, in love. But there is something incomplete, not right about that person being really tight-fisted and not giving away generously. Paul says in verse 8 that he wants to test the sincerity of the Corinthian church by comparing it to the Macedonian church. I wonder how Shatin Anglican Church would compare to other churches in Hong Kong, to the Macedonian Church, to the Corinthian Church. Do we excel in giving? Now, if you ask, do we have to excel in giving? Is it a must in our discipleship? Well, verse 8 at first seems to say that this is, Paul seems to be saying at first that this is just a recommendation, Um, not a must. But uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but one trusted commentator says this about that verse, that NIV has got that wrong. Uh, What it literally says is not, I am not commanding you, but rather, it is not accordance with a command, implying that it's not something that Christ has commanded each one of them to give in this circumstance to give um, to this this, uh, collection. Paul, however, does command it. Right? He says, as an apostle, this is my judgment. Verse 11. Now finish the work so that your eagerness, eager willingness to do, to do it may be matched by your completion of it. You know, what he's doing is that he sees this as an essential part of discipleship. He sees this generous giving uh, towards the poor in the uh, Jerusalem church as an essential part of being a Christian, being a member of that church. 
He says, as an apostle, do give generously and willingly for it. As a people who have received generously through Christ, if generosity does not mark our life, then there is something incomplete about that discipleship. Jesus was never shy about talking about money. Paul was never shy about talking about money. We often are in the church, and we shouldn't be. Because money is part of our discipleship for all of us. But there is a slight thing here that excelling isn't about the amount of money. Right? Take a look at verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to, uh, to what one has, not according to what one does not have. That what he says there, if, for if your willingness is there, uh, what is a must in the discipleship is not so much the amount of money, but actually the willingness. Does our heart well up as we hear the gospel, as we uh, come to the cross, does our heart well up with generosity or not? That is what's a must in our discipleship. I've heard this joke recently about this man who went to a church in the U.S. Um, as the offering basket came by, what he meant to do was pull out a $10 um, bill. Um, but he accidentally uh, pulled out a $100 bill and dropped it in. Now, so um, the, the guy uh, wasn't so happy about uh, this accident. And so he, at the end of the service, went to the usher and said, ah, well, you know, this is actually what happened, that I actually meant to drop in a $10 bill instead of $100 bill. And the usher didn't budge and said, well, you know, what you put in, it's God's. It's now God's. And the man comforted himself, muttering to himself, well, at least I'll um, get, the, uh, the, 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 get the $100 return in heaven. To which the usher replied, no, you'll be credit, credited for only 10 <laughs> And there's a lot of truth there that it's our heart that matters. What we are willing to give that matters. Whether God has moved us to generosity and actually we are acting according to that generosity, that is what counts more than the amount that is given. This is because God does not need you to give. If that, you know, if this is not God's will, this won't happen and that's fine. Um, and if this is God's will, actually God doesn't need your money. God will do whatever he, he, whatever he, uh, whatever it takes to raise this money himself. God does not need your money. God is not also a God who's bribed by your money. It's not as if you give money and then you are sort of somehow manipulating God to do what you want. We don't give for these reasons. We give if there is willingness. We give if we have given our lives over to God and we count this money as God's and we, we want to participate in God's work. So when Paul says, now finish the work then so that our eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, he's saying, look, you already have the willingness. Match it by the actual giving. And once again, our sincerity of our faith will not be tested by whether you give to this fundraising campaign or not. You know, only God, will te- God can test us, and God will test us on the basis of our pattern of giving throughout our life. You don't have to give for this purpose, but we do must. We must work on excelling in giving, for that is part of our discipleship. 
that whenever we come to uh, this money issue, the nitty-gritty detail is about how much. How much should we then give? You know, we, there's talk about 10%, 20%, 30%. What counts as generous? Well, Paul's answer is, it depends. It depends. He told us in verse 11 that we ought to give according to our means. Verse 12, he goes on to say, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what, does not, what one does not have. What he's saying is that Christian giving is proportional to what we have. For some, giving 10% is a big stretch for them. But many can give 30, 40, 50, 60% and, and can live uh, their lives fine. Can't they? Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the founder of Facebook, made news recently in last December by committing 99% of what he owns um, towards charity. 99%. And we think, wow, that's great act of generosity. And it is. But that 1%, that 1% is worth $450 million. (laughs) You know, he could give away much more even. And then, you know, he could give away 99% and live well. He's still pretty wealthy. We are to give proportional to our wealth, what we've received. The poor will give a smaller amount and the wealthy will give more. Remember, as um, Peter mentioned, Jesus commended the, uh, the poor widow when she dropped off two copper coins in the basket. Um, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than others. All these people gave gifts, their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty and put in all that she has to live in, she had to live on. Luke 23, 21, 3 to 4. This woman gave self-sacrificially, and that self-sacrificial giving counted more to God than giving out of wealth. Now, once again, this does not mean that you should then become poor and you should give self-sacrificially that you don't have things to live on. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean that. Um, that would go against what Paul has just said. Even when Paul talks about uh, Macedonian church, what he's underscoring is not so much that they gave self-sacrificially, but actually they gave willingly. They gave joyfully. That what, what, was, uh, what sprang up in their hearts was matched by their actual giving. That's what Paul wants them to imitate here. Um, I thought this was a very well put. Um, this, uh, one commentator says, the admonition implicit in the statement is not do what Christ did or even do for others what Christ has done for you. It is rather do what is appropriate to your status as those who have been enriched by the grace of Christ. The New Testament does not mention a percentage anymore. He says that you know God has given all this for you as a person who has been enriched by the grace of Jesus Christ. Do what is right for you, for your circumstance. What this means also, what proportional giving means, is that generosity is possible for people of all um, levels of income. You can be generous by giving little, but as a poor person, you are generous. This is available for this opportunity. This is available for all people of all income. We can be generous within our means. But once again, how much then should we give? Uh, What can we afford? As we've seen, it's not about the percentage. But if that's not the percentage, then what should guide our giving? And I thought, actually, in this, uh, Don Wesley, um, the founder of Methodism, was really helpful. He's preached a sermon on giving, uh, on money, and he's had three basic rules. He says this, gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. 
Gain all you can. Earn all you can. Without sacrificing your health or morality, doing your job properly, all the money that you can. I mean, there's no nobility in taking a job that's lesser paying. You know, that's just unwise. Gain all you can, doing all the right things. God has given you the opportunities. If God has given you these opportunities, do take it. Earn all you can. Do the right things in your jobs and earn all you can. Be wise. Then save all you can. He says, don't then throw away your precious earned money into the sea, he says. Don't spend gratifying sinful desires, he says, indulging on expensive food and clothes and to gratify our pride. So much of our living in Hong Kong is to gratify our pride, the sort of status symbols that we have. Um, That money is not ours to keep. It's God's, and so be good stewards of it. Um, As I was saying this to Mary, Mary reminded me of all the ways that I throw away money so carelessly, and I do. We need to be, we need to keep careful track of our money, because it's God's money. Thirdly, he says, give all you can. The first two, this earn all you can and save all you can, is meaningless unless we give all we can. Uh, we, we are earning and we are saving so that we could maximize our generosity. We can maximize our giving. In a city obsessed with money, what could be better witness than living below our means? Not buying all the things we can afford. Not because we can't afford it, but because we want to give more. We want to save more so that we can give more. Not indulging on all the holidays, um, not showing off so that we could give more generously. Yes, we are to give proportionally to what we earn, but are we seeking to increase that proportion within our means? You know, this is a terribly challenging principle. And I hope it's been challenging you as it has challenged me. Paul does mention a person who didn't give away the minimum. That's in verse 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich and for your sake became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, our giving is a privilege given to us. We give out of what God has given us, but Jesus Christ gave out of his own riches. And he became poor. He became a baby born in a manger, and not only that, he went to the cross. He was stripped naked and nailed on the cross. He became poor so that we might become inheritors of his richness. We are a people who have received this radical generosity. And Christ didn't go, what's the minimum that I could give to save everybody? He gave himself and he gave his all. So I hope as you come, the thing that I hope the biggest thing that you're left with is the cross. I hope the biggest thing that you're left with is the generosity of Christ. And as you are reminded of what God has given for you, I hope you will give your lives over to Christ and all that you have over to Christ. And don't give if it's an obligation. Give if there is a wellspring of generosity in you. And if there is that match, if, if there is that wellspring, match that generosity um, by your actual giving. And if, as the church does, you believe that the church center is is what God wants us to do next, 
uh, as a church family. I hope you'll give joyfully, that you will plan, you will pray about it, you'll take that pledge card home, and you'll think and pray about it and come back. And I hope that giving, whether it's for this or for something else, will be one of many, many acts of generosity that you, uh, that you give, that you would experience the grace that God has given you, that grace of giving. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your generosity towards each one of us. We thank you that you give us the privilege of sharing in the grace of giving. And we pray that as we come to this message, that we won't go away just thinking about how much to give, whether to give, that we won't go away thinking about our money, but we would rather think about you and what you have done for us. And if it would please you, we pray that your spirit will stir in us that heart of generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.